Hey, everybody, and welcome to She Knows SEO. I'm here today with Kate Doster, um, who is an email marketing pro and is so good at selling via emails, especially digital products. So Kate's here today to talk to us about all things um, email marketing and digital product creation. And I'll hand it over to you, Kate, to give yourself a little bit more of an introduction. Sure. So I am super excited to be here. So hey, everybody, I'm Kate Doster of katedoster.com. And it's my soul and soul's mission to put money in the hands of good people and eradicate this idea that nice people have to finish last in business by teaching you spammer-free sales techniques that even your grandmother would be proud of you to use. Because if you don't believe in the things that you're doing, nobody else is. And I really need the good people to get the money. It's like, that is my <laughs> ultimate goal. So even if you listen to the first two seconds of this and you're like, she talks too fast, I'm not into it. Go find somebody else that's going to teach you messaging and how to make money because like it is that important. I think you're so right. And yeah, it really needs to be good people. And I know we got a lot of good people in this community. So we're going to help you guys make some money today by going through um, and talking a bit about email marketing and products. So I asked my free Facebook group for questions. So we're going to start diving into those. Um, because of that, they jump back and forth a little bit between the two. Um, but we're going to address everything we can today. So our first question is, what is the best format for digital products um, and the best places to sell them? Oh, I love that question. So I think that it honestly depends on your strength. So if you are really great at Canva, then I think going ahead and making yours more of like a printable or planner-based business, or even like eBooks, especially if you're a like really great writer, I think that that's fantastic. If you are more of a talker than a typer or a designer, then I think that visit like video courses or paid workshops, I think are definitely the way to go. So if you are going to go more so like just like the digital handout sort of a thing, then you you can always start on places like Etsy or Teachers Paying Teachers, but ultimately we really do want to get you on your own platform being where you're actually going to be selling stuff and you have the traffic. But I understand when you first get started, sometimes it's a little bit harder to get the eyeballs, but that's why you listen to the show, right? So that way you can learn how to leverage Google and all the other search engines to actually get you the people who want your courses or digital products. So if you are going to do courses, then there's a myriad of options that you can choose to host everything from. I always say, just pick one. Um, we were a really big fan of Podia for a very long time. I had Thrivecart, which is actually a payment processor and they gave away free Thrive Learn. Uh, I wouldn't say get Thrivecart for Thrive Learn by any stretch of the imagination, but I was like, I'm down for saving some money. So we moved stuff over there. You just want to make sure that whatever platform or delivery system you want to use, that it's just secure for your people because I know that a lot of us are always trying to look for like the free or the lower cost option. You just have to remember if people are investing in you, you should invest in theirs and their user experience. So while it's definitely, I say, go ahead, sign up for a free account on all of those other platforms to see if you like their back end, like as an actual user, and then go ahead and upgrade so that way you can get all the features and you don't have to like piecemeal things together. That's so perfect because our next question was how do you protect your products? And I think a lot of it does come down to having the right platform for them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, make sure that you have like, you know, copyright notices on your material. Again, this isn't necessarily, some people are just awful, right? <laughs> They're just going to try to steal your stuff. They're going to try to resell it. And there's definitely avenues that you can take, but I don't want you letting those couple of bad apples ruin your experience from not having it. Now, obviously, if you can tell that a customer 
is blatantly ripping you off, then you're going to want to contact a lawyer, get the cease and desist, do all of that. But like, I have students that like, they'll take my course, they'll have a bunch of success and then they'll want to teach their own version. I'm not like, Oh, how dare you? Like to me, I'm like, great. Now there's more people that are learning how to sell in a way that actually feels good. So like, that's awesome for them, but don't be afraid. Like I said, the biggest thing that you want to just look for is you want your person who's giving you money to be like, Oh yeah. It's not like this is like a Google drive file that like anybody could get. Right. So I always try to look at it from that end. I think it also protects you a little bit. If it's not a Google drive yeah. file, anyone can send that to anybody too. So yeah. and I think, to be fair, like you said, there's always people that are going to do some sort of nonsense that we can't protect from everything, but that's such a good tip. Yeah. Yeah. And again, things like, so say if you were just going to go like the digital sort of handout, like I call it like PDF based for digital products, you know, you can use things like send owl and send owl will actually limit how many times people can download an item as well. So there's that whole aspect of things. And then again, with the courses, most course platforms, besides do I've learned will actually house all of your digital products for you. And so it's on their servers. It's all nice and easy. Like it's going to block people from being able just to share things. That's such a good tip. I didn't know that about send owl. So that's epic. Um, okay. Our next question is any hot tips on subject lines for email sequences for product launches? Oh, I love this. So if you can, I would always suggest A-B testing. So pretty much every email service provider will allow you to do it. I know ConvertKit, it's like right next to the subject line, you'll see a faint like thing that says A slash B. So you can just hit it right over there, but pretty much everything will. And that's because the reason why I like to do this is it's a free feature that you're already paying for. So you might as well use it. But what it does is it'll send it to like two different parts of your list. And then whatever one is the winner after a couple of hours, it'll then send it out. So that way you can get used to seeing like, what are your people into? Do they really react more so to like intrigue headlines? Like you do nothing else this week, do this. Are they really into like, she made how much or how to make $25,000 this week? Not that you would ever use something that exorbitant, but <laughs> that way you can sort of get to see when it is a product launch. And I usually like to save these for the tail end of my subject in all the email service providers, just ask them how to do it. You can usually put somebody's first name in the subject line, assuming they gave it to you. And when somebody sees their name, they're more likely to snap them into attention. So it's like, you got this, right, Kate? And like, what? <laughs> or what do you think, Kate? Okay, right. So that way I don't do that all of the time, but I want to have it in there. Another thing that we'll do, and again, this has to fit your brand, is we'll use emojis. That was so funny. I had somebody that followed me on Instagram and she's like, I used emojis and I got the most unsubscribes that I ever had. I'm like, how high were your open rates and how much higher were your click-through rates? And she's like, um, the highest I've ever been. I'm like, you got the most unsubscribes because people actually noticed your stuff. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I guess I never sort of thought about it that way. And that's one of those things, again, even when you're doing a product launch, you have to be okay. The average unsubscriber rate on any newsletter, like you could literally be giving away the whole kitchen sink for free in your newsletter. 1% is technically industry standard. So if you're anything under that, it's fine. If it's during a launch, you can let people know like, hey, you can opt out of these launch emails that we have, but go with that for subject lines towards the very end of your launch. Sometimes you just have to get more obvious, like the card is closing <laughs> in two hours because we don't want people being like, oh, I didn't know about it or any of that. So I wouldn't send one that's like, you know, 12 hours to go, 10 hours to go. Like you don't want to repeat yourself forever and ever and ever. So you're going to sort of spice those up when it comes to that. And again, some of the, the later on emails that are more time sensitive, you're not going to have time to A-B test. So it really just says like, are you coming or not? <laughs> and then 
the little preview text should be like cart closing in two hours or prices going up. But I always try to think of for subject lines in general, again, intrigue, a benefit, a result, and write your subject lines last. I think that everyone tries to write those in the headlines first, but see what your email ends up being. And then you might actually get a really great idea from it. I think that's such a good tip too, because what if you choose a subject line and then you go off track, but it's such a good email. You don't want to to like backtrack because I think it's nice to have the organic email sometimes seeing where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it can definitely work. So definitely again, try all of the things. One email is never going to make or break your business. So don't worry about it. Unless you send really mean things to your list. Like I think that's that's the the only way I think you'd get canceled. You're going to do that. Maybe don't email them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. So another question uh, was, are there any types of digital products that work well um, if you're not selling about how to blog or something? Because it seems like a lot of digital products are all about like how to blog or email marketing, but are there any B2C digital products that you think have great success? And this was someone in the travel space in particular. Oh my goodness. So many. So we used to have this course called love your list. And the majority of my students were business to consumers. And I loved it that way. Like we had people that were talking about backyard chickens. We had home staying. We had somebody have a high five figure launch selling a course about plants. Like the only reason why you're just thinking like, Oh, digital products are just for how to make money blogging or how to make money doing this is because you're in the space and marketers know who to market to. Right. But there are so many, and I don't say this degradingly, but there's so many more normies who are interested in budgeting, who are interested in decluttering, who are interested in yearning, like learning the ukulele, right? That they're going to be all for it. I think that we think that everyone wants to own a business. They don't. (laughs) People just want to have hobbies, right? Again, uh, we've got dog walking ones where it's like how to train your dog. Like that'd be an amazing digital course, particularly if you have a breed that doesn't like to listen. Like I wiener dogs, like I would totally love that. So 100% you can. I have a lot of people that help parents with their children in different ways. We had one teach manners, digital products, because especially because everyone now is online, they're all on their phone. It's not that barrier of entry. Like say if you were trying to market to like someone a little bit older than my mom, she's a boomer. It might be a little bit hard, but like everyone in the age demographic and even the boomers, they're online. They get the concept of things now. So every single industry, music teachers, dance teachers. And there's going to be so many more people you can market to so many more. And what would you say is the best way to figure out exactly what your people need rather than just, I don't know, doing what you see everyone else is doing. Asking them. And I know that your, your audience might be tiny, right? So like technically we call them Chad. Technically you could use chat GPT and be like, what do people struggle with the most when it comes to this topic, right? To get like a head starter. But like, and so I talk about email, literally, I actually had one of my one-on-one clients do this today. She helps people with outsourcing, but we can use it on something else. We just send them a one sentence email, like quick question, or is this right? Or do you feel this way too? Right? Like that's the subject line. And then the line is literally just like, Hey, can you fill in the blank for me? Like I would love for my kids just to be able to pick up their socks, but they never fill in the blank. Right? It's like, I know that I should hire somebody to help me out. But have them fill out that but. Is everyone on your email list going to reply back? No. Could you be inundated with more replies than you can reply back to? Possibly. That does tend to happen to my students. So that's why I tell them, like, when you send this email, we're doing it as market research because we're like, oh, I'm going to send a survey. No one's going to do a survey, right? But people 
love to complain about stuff, right? And like, I'd love to meditate, but like, I've got ADHD and like, it's not going to work. Or my kids always interrupt me or my dog looks my face, right? So you're like, oh, okay, now we've got people need to slow down their brains. Maybe I want to position my product that it's not like they need to sit down on this cushion by themselves in a room that they can do it two seconds of just breath work, even as they're stirring a pot in their kitchen, obviously we don't get burned. So that's going to give you some really great details. If you ever say to your audience, especially if you have any pre-existing relationship, like, Hey, if I create a digital product about parenting, will you buy it? Nine times out of 10, people will say yes, just because they love you, but are they actually going to vote with their dollars? <laughs> Maybe not. So that's why you just kind of want to ask them, like, like, instead of what are you struggling with? Cause nobody wants to admit that they're doing bad most of the time. Yeah. Like I said, people even when they're high vibe people, they kind of love to complain a little bit, which is why when you ask that butt question, it's a little bit more it's like, I know I should hire somebody, but I wanted to SEO on my blog, but it takes forever. Google hates me. They always update it. I stink at writing. Like you're going to get so many, ironically, they admitted flaws there. It'll just work so much better. And then you'll be able to like, oh, and you can like shape around your products about what things people are going to like. And sometimes people will just ask you for stuff, which is really nice. And then it's like, Hey guys. So the other day, literally in your email. So the other day, someone was asking me if I'd create a workshop about blank figure. We'll do it on the 17th. Click here to sign up, right? Yeah. <laughs> make it all casual. Like you don't have to make your product launch this big, huge, like, oh my goodness type of scenario. Obviously you want to take pride in your work, but like, you can just, you don't have to be like, you know, I always use Amy Porterfield because I love her. You don't have to do an Amy Porterfield, Marie Forleo type of a launch, right? Where you got like 80 million freebies and like 12 webinars and audio series and private podcasts, and like six weeks of strategic podcast. No, episode, no, no. You need to let them know that it's coming. You need to let them know how it's different than other stuff and how it's going to help them. That, that's really all you need. I think that's such a good point. Like sell on the benefit, not necessarily selling on the number of emails you make or something. Yeah. Took it wrong. People love stuff, but that's more like they, they buy with feeling and they justify with logic later. Right. Especially again, because I get a lot of B2C, a lot of parents with crafters, right? Yes. If they have 101 Valentine's day printables, chances are people are like, Oh my goodness, that's fantastic. Right. Like keep your kids busy. So yeah. you can sort of lead with both depending on your industry. That's such a good tip. And like, I even for my travel blog, for one of the products I have there, it's not a problem I had. It's a problem my users had. So I talk about living abroad and people were telling me constantly like, oh, like my parents don't approve or I'm afraid of telling them. I don't really care what my parents think. So I just moved and didn't really care that they were unhappy, but I got so many messages about it. I created something to help them. So I think that's a good thing too, is you might be such an expert that just telling them, hey, I'm going to offer a course on this, you might be 10 steps ahead of where they are even. So figuring out like, yeah, what they actually need the help with. And I think the complaining is such a good point too, because we all have a little bit of Karen in us that we need to like let out every once in a while. Um, and it helps build. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Like, is it an itinerary? Is it being safe? Is it finding deals? Is it going five stars? Right. Because again, not everyone wants to have the cheapest, the cheapest trip to say Disneyland. Sometimes they want that luxury experience, right? And you're going to find out with your audience and see which one they're more down with. I think that's such a good point. Now, another question that we had was what comes first, a newsletter or the product? And I feel like based on what we were talking about, it might be the newsletter. Yeah. But I think that in the back of your head, it's a really great idea 
to know what type of product you want to create, meaning what niche do you want to serve? Because if you're just like, oh, I'm going to create this newsletter and say you create a lead magnet, a freebie, that's a free thing that you give in exchange for an email address. And you make it all about like manifesting, but then you decided that you wanted to talk about like day trading stocks for some odd reason, because I don't know, that's how you manifested your money. It's going to be really weird and it's going to be a rough ride for people. So always in the back of your head, be like, even if you don't know the exact angle, right? It's like, okay, I've got my travel blog. So I'm going to make sure that like, you know, most of my stuff, maybe it's geared towards that frugal traveler, right? So I'm just like, oh, right. Cause then you can, again, maybe you can sell pre uh, done itineraries. Maybe it's some more bonus tips on saving money. Again, you wouldn't think that people would be into like buying stuff about frugal living. Nope. My students have proved people love buying stuff about frugal living and budgeting. They're all about that life. So well, it is perfectly okay to do those things. So I would say start with the newsletter just because I don't want you. I would rather you spend three months trying to get in front of people and trying to make yourself known rather than creative, this big, monstrous, beautiful digital product or course, and then having no one to sell it to at the end, because you are going to be so defeated. Your brain is going to be so just like, uh, right. Technically with this audience that you spent three months creating, if it feels good to you, you could pre-sell it to people and be like, okay, like here's the things that it's going to cover. You guys are going to let me know. We're going to check in. Maybe you can, if it's going to be a digital course, maybe you can run it live the first time. That way you actually like get there and it can be in a Facebook group and you can do this. But I would say go for some people first, but always know in the back of your head, what are you going to sell to people? And again, if it ends up being like a small digital product, they're like, no, I could bang this out in an afternoon. Then go ahead and create something you can bang out in an afternoon. Just don't like lock yourself in your, your cave of an office for, for six months to build something to nobody. I think that's such a good tip. And even for those three months, if you're including affiliate links, you could be monetizing it ahead mm -hmm. of time. It's nice rather than, I don't know, waiting a year because you've made the product and now you still have to grow the list. Yeah. Yeah. And even while you're spending that, you know, three months, six months, obviously, right? Like we being be in OSA, it takes a while to kick off, right? You could be asking people about things like, okay, so I think we forget that we can do this. People love to help. Like, hey, so I was creating, I want to create this paid product for you guys all about how to have the best trip in Rome without feeling like a tourist. Which name do you like better, right? So now they know you're coming out with a paid stuff and you're not like, you're not getting bamboozled. And again, they feel like it's that. It's like, I'll let you guys know the winner in a week or two, right? So that's like, hey guys. And then that's a little message, right? Like, P.S. Just so you know, roaming around Rome, one. So that's going to be the name. Feel free. We're going to be making the logo next, <laughs> right? And again, it's really simple stuff. Hit reply. Just click the link, right? So you build a page like, thanks for roaming versus Rome versus like Rome finders. I don't know. <laughs> but like, right? And again, it'll work. I think that's such a good point. Yeah. Because like, it also makes them feel a part of it. And then if you're mm -hmm. part of the creation of something, you're invested in it. And like, even if you don't end up purchasing, you care more about it. I do that all the time, mostly because I'm indecisive. So I just like come up with things like, please help me because I can't otherwise do this. But it, end up, it ends up being a great strategy. And you mentioned mm -hmm. pre-selling too. And I think pre-selling is a powerful thing people don't think about. And for many of us, I have ADHD as well. It's kind of nice to have that external like this needs to get done. And the same with like live things. Like then I don't need to worry too much about like sitting down and stuttering or something. And then I have to edit it. Done is better than good. Mm -hmm. Just get it done and you'll always be updating it over time. But having yeah. 
line can be really helpful. And having people that you owe something to can also be a great way to, yeah, push you forward. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, that's just for, for both of us because we both have ADHD and I I can miss deadlines myself. Granted, uh, Abby, she's my assistant. She really does try to boss me, but like sometimes ADHD monster just wins. But like if I need to be someplace, I am going to show up. Yeah. So even though that perfectionism that can come in with being neurodivergent could have it. So I re-record a lesson for like five days on end. Like if I have to show up live to teach that lesson, even if it's just the first time and then eventually I'll get around to re-recording or just the slides, then it'll work. And that's for, you know, a course project. If it's something where you're going to do more digital downloads, I think where people get a little antsy about pre-selling is they feel like I'm taking their money for nothing. One, you can always sell it to them at a pre-launch discount. And two, I bet you there is something that fits in with your zone of genius that you could whip up for them, right? Again, being a big talker that I am, I could technically create a private podcast episode that could be their pre-work, right? Even if the thing is not coming out for a couple of months. And again, as long as you're honest with people about the timeline of things and like when it's coming out, they're not going to feel bad. And again, now you have those built-in people, whether it is three people, again, who cares? Whether it's three people or 300 people, now again, you can ask some questions like, hey guys, would you rather work on your welcome series first or do you want to work on like newsletters first or like, should we do that? Right now, again, you've got a group of people that you can ask about it. I think that's such a good idea. Yeah, I think pre-selling is really undervalued or maybe not talked about enough. And I, I think you're so mm -hmm. right. The fear of I'm taking money without delivering something and bonuses are a great thing for that. Private Q and A's are a great thing for that. Love that. Yeah, I think the imposter syndrome can hit us sometimes. And actually our next question has to do with imposter syndrome a bit is how do we differentiate ourselves if, yeah, there's already 10 Rome itineraries, how do we feel confident selling something that's kind of similar? I think as long as you're not like looking at the other person's product in your screen as you're developing yours, there's going to be things that are naturally different because your experience of Rome is going to be different. The things that you value are going to be different. The order in which maybe you put someone's itinerant word that's like, I know I'm not going to tell you to go to like here first, but like you can actually go here and here. So that's how it's going to be different. If you're in more of a teaching thing, it's one of those things that I hate saying this term, like there's a million ways to skin a cat, but there is a million ways to skin a cat. So it's going to be the examples that you use. It could be the terminology that you use. There's like a jillion people that talk about online marketing and talk about like lead magnets and freebies. I'm the only person I know of that talks about the Sir Mix-a-Lot principle and says that he likes big butts. And so does your email list. And so does your wallet, right? Because remember, I just had you ask that question, right? It's like, I know I should do this, but that's what your freebie is going to be. It's going to be a single butt that you are going to solve. So it's the way in which you approach things. Okay. Again, it's your style and flair, right? There will be a million people that are selling kids printables, but maybe like you've really got honed in on like the googly eyed ones, or maybe ones that are more geared towards boys or ones that are more geared towards older children. So, and that's, that's what you can kind of go with. Or again, it's the, the product of a whole, right? Some have Rome itinerants and that's like all that they sell, but you're also going to give them a bonus on, you know, if they want to do points for traveling, um, the best way to handle customs, that sort of a thing. So you can differentiate it by sort of those little extras that you're going to give people. I love that. And I think also like remembering, I always love the water bottle principle where there's like, there's so many types of water and like, realistically, who can taste the difference between any of them? <laughs> like it's very hard to tell. But it's all in the marketing and your people 
love you and want your solution to things. So I think, yeah, being able to offer that unique element and you're so right. Don't, even if you don't mean to, if you have someone else's stuff open while you're making your own, naturally our brains are lazy and they want to copy stuff. So like I'm all for look ahead of time to see what's out there, close it, walk away for like at least a week and then do your own thing. But use them to just know that it's out there, I guess, if you are really yeah. worried no one needs this thing. And also like you were talking about printables, I think a lot of travel bloggers, we lock ourselves into eBooks and we lock ourselves into itineraries and we don't have, you can definitely sell mm -hmm. tools and planners. And like, I don't sell any eBooks for my travel sites. I sell video courses with like, mm -hmm. and that works really well. I know um, there's someone Ashley gets around has a newsletter. That's a paid newsletter of business class flight deals. That is the best thing. If you ever want to fly business class, get on her newsletter. It's insane. It's so good. But there's so many people that have unique things that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into things. It'll yeah. be quite all right. Again, why would anyone want, want my stuff? They're on your list. Chances are, and I know this sounds very odd, but like, I don't think this, and this might be a little bit with our ADHD because we tend to like get very into a new thing. But I think that even the normies do this too, where like they might buy one like roam itinerary, but they're going to want a couple different ones because they're going to want to make sure that they don't miss anything else. Right. So even if somebody bought one roam one, they'll definitely buy a second one or a third one because that's what they're really into. That's what they're really planning. They want all the information and from a bunch of different sources. Oh yeah. I think people need to like see something almost like three times before they figure out their version of it. And that comes with like email marketing, with SEO, with everything. Like uh, even like training my dog. I mean, he's a golden retriever. So I got lucky that he's pretty food motivated, easy to train. I still went through <laughs> a ton of different, like, how do you train him things? So that's a really, really good tip. Um, we also have the age old question. How do I know how much my product should cost? Which I think is the hardest um, thing when you're first launching is to figure out a price for your services or for your digital product. I think that it is a price that you can say with your whole heart, which is like, hey, that's such like an answer. Like, how dare you? So it's one of those things that like at the beginning, like if you can't stomach saying like, oh, my hundred printable is a $7, then make it the amount that you can. And you're actually gonna like feel it in your body and I know it sounds so odd to be like, say it out loud. Not like you have to say it out loud in public, like say it out loud to your computer. It's like, and it's only seven bucks. If it, your energy is dropping a little bit there, then that usually means that it needs to be higher. Like it's 17 bucks. And you're like, oh my goodness, right? So you want people to think that like the best deal ever. Now, if you're doing one-on-one -on -one services, like say you are, and I know we've been talking a lot about travel, but that's because someone in travel asks, right? If you are making a custom itinerary or doing a one-on-one -on -one service, that needs to have some zeros on it. Because <laughs> that is taking your time. That is personal, whereas digital, products, you can go ahead and put that down lower. So that's always kind of like where I start. Again, this is a little bit of where that sort of market research can come about, but it has to be something that you feel good about. Something that you're maybe a little bit nervous, maybe it's a little bit overpriced. I never say price what you're worth because you're worth a bajillion dollars. Like I'm not collaboration cash in. Is that the best damn course ever on bundles? Yes. 1000%. I can say that with my whole chest. It is, but like, it has nothing to do with my self-worth as a person. And even for like my one-on-one -on -one coaching, it's like, oh, I'm worth it. No, like nobody could pay how much I'm worth because I'm a human being, right? So I hate that like 
right? Price what you're worth type of scenario. Price what feels good to you. And over time, that might change. And you can go ahead and raise your prices. You can go ahead and lower your prices or run flash sales for a little while if you want to. But don't think that the only way to sell something is by making it dirt cheap because that's not, that should be like the sprinkle on the cupcake. That shouldn't be the cupcake, right? And like, and it's only seven bucks, right? And then again, the more sort of digital products you have, the more stuff that's in them, you'll be able to sort of like gauge this again, what results are you getting for people? How much of an encompassing solution to really sound like a marketer is it going to be for people and then price accordingly? I think that's so right because it really is. It's such a personal decision and Mm -hmm. everyone always asks that question of like, I literally, I've been coaching a couple of my team members on creating their first products and they're like, Nina, what should I price it at? And I'm like, what do you feel? What, What are you thinking right now? And the biggest thing that holds people back is a fear of it not selling. Money doesn't always determine that though. I think it's that messaging, that community, those elements. Definitely if you price your very first thing at $50,000, it's going to be a lot harder. So maybe start lower depending on what it is. I was going to say, but again, it depends on your personal results that you have gotten in the past, right? Like if you have bought and sold several $9 million, you know, companies, or you flipped like a gajillion houses. If you want to sell your first ever digital product as a, a you know $50,000 mastermind for real estate investors, it's probably going to sell because you have the past results to back it up. I know we had talked about imposter syndrome and this also comes in with pricing. As long as you can back this up, especially if you're in a teaching niche, anything, right? A how-to niche, then it's going to work. So again, right? It's one of those things. How, how much proof do you have from yourself that you get results and that can also help affect the price. And I would add, don't ask people how much they think it's worth either. Cause that's mm-hmm. something I made a mistake about with my first course is I had two beta testers go through it. And I was like, how much would you pay for this? But they had just gotten it for free and their numbers were nowhere near what I thought it was worth. And sometimes it can be good to ask people get that gut reaction and be like, okay, no, my gut doesn't align with this. And that's not really what I'm thinking of. But equally, it can set you down this path of, oh, well, maybe it's not worth that amount. You get to decide the worth. And I do think, like you said, deliverables matter, like what kind of transformation you can offer. Now, if it's something like, I don't know, like an itinerary for Rome, 50 grand, it's going to be a really good itinerary. It's going to do a lot for somebody. But I'm sure there are ways that you could be like, here's how to move to Rome and I'll book it for you and I'll like get your dog there. Having tried to bring my dog to Europe can fully attest I would pay a lot for it because it's a nightmare to deal with. So yeah, I think that's a really good point on pricing. And I love the idea of like sitting with it internally, even like maybe even try um, pretend marketing it to a friend or family and be like, okay, it's going to cost this much and see how it makes you feel. Ignore their reaction because they're going to have no idea probably (laughs) if they're not your target audience. (laughs) Exactly. Like I said, I think that we think that pricing has to be like chiseled in stone. It's the internet, go and hit the back button and change it and go, go change it in your payment processor. And whether or not it's something that like say, and I don't want you, I don't want you lowering your price. If it doesn't sell immediately, like in the first week, like you need to give stuff time, right? Again, just like it takes a little while for like the SEO to kick in and all that sort of stuff. You need to give it time and you need to give it effort. So you can't be like, Oh, well, I only sold three of them in 90 days. 
What did you do to actually get in front of people for those 90 days about that product? How many people actually got to that sales page? How many emails did you send about it? How many pieces of content did you talk about it? Like you have to be honest with these things and just don't be like, oh, slash the price. Because here's the other end of this coin. Some people are going to see that it's like $9 and they're going to be like, why is it so cheap? And they're literally going to be turned off by it. They'll be like, no, I only want, I only want the best of the best. Like there has to be something wrong with this if it's this low. I think that's such a good point. And actually, our next question was about payment processors. And I think this okay. goes back to Thrivecart a little bit even before, because Thrivecart, I know, tracks those clicks, which is good. Um, but mm -hmm. someone asked, what is the best cheap slash simple payment platform for a course and it's the, or a digital product? And it seems like this is more of a um, like a one-time ebook sort of question. I I know we had, if it's an ebook question, I've always been a big fan of SendOwl, to be honest. So you are going to need a Stripe account, which is free. You are going to need a business PayPal account, which is free. So those are just ways for you to get money. But things like Send Owl, they're going to store it. It's going to run people through their actual like checking cart system. And it's going to deliver the thing for you and you're going to be good to go. So you don't have to worry about getting a Thrive Cart because everyone has it. Or was it Sam Cart? I think is their other one. Or like a Kajabi, right? There are these big expensive verbose things that you're not using, right? Sundowl is perfect. They even, when you have other products, they'll be like, hey, do you want this too? Which I always think is nice. I like a good order bump that you can have anytime. Why not? Thanks, Sundowl. I appreciate it. And I do know they have a free version. Really, with free versions of anything, they're going to take a bigger processing fee. So that's just something to look at. But I think that they're like their middle tier is like $9, right? So even if you have to be like, I need to sell at least 18 to what, 29 to $27 worth of stuff. So I triple my money from send owl every month. Again, it's just going to give you that motivation to talk about your paid product more because you know your paid product is going to be able to help people. So I'm a big fan of that. And even though we left, I still do really love Podia for their middle tier, which does have a payment processor. Again, you are going to need Stripe and you are going to need your own PayPal to bring it with you. At the time of the rest of this recording, I think it was somewhere between, I think it was around $40 and you got like so much more than you did for Teachable, for Thinkific. Again, they host all your videos. They'll do your payments. They will do your payment plans. Their sales page builder is not the prettiest. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, they have integrated um, like a little upsell. Like, hey, do you want this too at the end? Which is nice. But again, the only reason why we left is because we had to use Zapier because I already had Thrivecart to shove people in. And they decided like, hey, you can't use our middle tier anymore. You have to use our one that's $100. So I'm like, I can't justify the extra 60 bucks when I got this other thing lying over here for free. So Oh, that's the only reason why we left there. But those are my two suggestions. If you're doing more video-based Podia, if you're just doing more PDF-based, SendOwl. Very fair. I think SendOwl also does affiliates, right? That you can like set up your own. Yeah, you can have affiliates, I think on that $9 plan, as opposed to like the free plan. So it's definitely worth it. Which is so good because that is such a great way to sell things and to yeah, give money back to your audience too, rather than, mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of ads personally. I just, first of all, I'm bad at them, but also I think it's nicer to give money to your people versus Zuckerberg or whoever runs Google. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm like, I would never do ads ever. Cause who knows, maybe like, well, I mean, in the States, it's going to be uh, an election year. So probably not Q3 or Q4, but like, who knows in the dead of summer, like we might try something out, but I like you, I would much rather pay my students. I would much rather pay people people who are singing my praises that extra money than yeah. an endless machine that I'm just like, but if you just showed people my stuff for free, I wouldn't need to give you more money. <laughs>
Um, and then are there any WordPress plugins where you would recommend like using them to sell digital products on your site or do you recommend off your site? It depends on how tech savvy you are, to be completely honest. Uh, when I had no business, I had used Access Ally, which was overpriced and took forever to add things. And I should have never used it. It was a dumb, 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 dumb idea. <laughs> Going third party, in my opinion, is just easier. And if something breaks, you can always just blame the third party platform. Like, it's Podio's fault, dudes. They're down. I agree. This is awful. As soon as I know anything, I will tell you because it's going to happen with everything. Whereas like if the plugin is set a little bit wrong, it can like crash your whole website. I do know some people use like WooCommerce and all those sorts of things. I have not used any of those. So if anyone in the community or when you guys are watching, you can definitely leave a review of the podcast, but if you're on YouTube, definitely go ahead and leave us your recommendations down below for WordPress plugins. Yeah, I've used WooCommerce and I, if you're going to use WooCommerce, which I don't really recommend, do it on a subdomain because it's slow. You'll run the cart on every page of your site, which is a lot. And yeah, you, the problem is if it's on your site, like you said, you're kind of liable for any breaks where it's so much easier to be like, this is down and whatever these things happen, um, which it does. It happens irregularly, but every once yeah. in a while. It's going to glitch and it always glitches during a launch, it seems, but just breathe through it. <laughs> 100%. I've heard if you say that you're listening to this and you are a bit more advanced and you already have like a bunch of digital products, um, you know, downloads, maybe like mini courses. Uh, my friend Monica, I know she's a really big fan of using Shopify and Shopify stores. It's something that I've never personally used because that's not the business model that we had, but she really seems to like it. And again, it's like every other place on earth is using Shopify. Shopify. Granted, it's going to come at a much higher price, but again, sometimes free is not always the best way to go because then you end just end up paying with life force later on. But we all have made that mistake. 100%. Oh, I'm yeah. sure Nina has too. I know I have. Oh my God. Oh, yes. <laughs> I feel like that's always the thing is you start off by paying with time and then over time you have enough money that you get more comfortable paying the money for it. But you do have to make that decision because yeah, you do Otherwise it's like free labor that you're just giving to this thing. And your time is worth more than $9 a month. I can guarantee it. No matter what your expertise level is, every human being is worth more than $9 a month. And I know it 1, might sound like intense to say like, oh my God, I have to make three sales a month of a $9 thing to triple my investment or whatever. That's three sales a month. And it might, the first few months might be hard, but it becomes very, yeah. yeah. Um, our next question is, uh, should I promote my digital product on my blog? And if so, where, or should it only be to my email list? Promote it everywhere. Well, okay. My question, like, don't be a jerk. How dare you be like, Hey, blog reader, since you're not on my email list, I'm not going to help you get success. Like what? Don't be a jerk. Promote it everywhere. Because again, the people like me and I hang out with, we're not out here swindling people for their money. So I know your digital product is going to help them do something, whether it is passing the time having a beautiful living room, being able to play cool stuff on a ukulele, like your product is going to help people. And you really do need to come at it there because let's be real, Nina and I could talk to her blue in the face, right? But chances are, if you give us some money, you are actually going to take what we say more seriously because treat people like people, you're going to want to get your money's worth. So you need to let your blog know about it, right? So if you still use a sidebar, I know I don't not I don't blog too much, but at one point, like sidebars were out and then they were in. Make sure that you have an ad banner for your stuff, right? In the middle of actually your blog post, have your own ad instead of like AdSense for your digital product, right? 
treat it like you would another blog post with interlinking, right? So like, again, whatever the main benefit of your product is, instead of having it, you know, link to another blog post, think about that, right? Have on the top of your uh, menu bar, right? If you only have one product, technically you can just write like the Roam planner, people can click on it. And now they're going to go to your sales page, right? It can be again, across your homepage. So people can see it. Let them know that you have it because you're creating it to make people's lives better. So go ahead and you can tell everyone about it. They will appreciate it. Put it everywhere. Granted, you want to talk about it in different terms, right? You're not just gonna be like, I had the best time in Rome. All those places, right? On your bar, you're going to think of different headlines or different reasons to be here, right? Like make sure you can travel with your pet to Europe. Check out this course, right? So definitely all of the places. And yeah, you can create a blog post that is say just about your course. Is it going to get a lot of traffic? Probably not, but it'll be there. So again, think of the topics while they're SEO friendly, but in general, like somebody who would want your product would be searching for what other problems would they have? So that way it's that sort of natural sell. And in the blog post, you can still link for people to join your newsletter, right? It's not just like, oh, if I mention this product, I can't mention my email list. No, because some people need a little bit more time to get to know you. Other people are just like, take my $5. <laughs> I'm out of here. Right. So do those things. That's such a good tip. And I always, I'm a very big fan of like turning your whole site into a funnel, kind of the way we create email funnels. And so, um, a lot of people think they need to target a keyword. That's like the course name or something, or even like, yeah, mindful travel guide or something. People who might need that might not know to search it. Like I didn't know what mindfulness was for so long. Now I do. So now I would search that. But initially I was just like, how do I calm down? So I'm not freaking out in the airport. <laughs> like, how do I? There you go. And so sometimes the keywords that you need to tie into your product aren't always going to be exactly the name of the product. So even for example, for email list building, um, how to make passive income, how like things like that, where we might connect that now, everyone watching this, because you probably have some idea about that but beginners might not connect those things. So I think, yeah, remembering you're at different stages, but I would definitely promote it, like Kate said, everywhere. Like people need to see things. I think I read a stat once. It's like people need to see things 18 times or something before they're like fully locked into it. There's a reason so many of us remember like the Budweiser frog commercial from like back in the day, whether or not you've ever mm -hmm. drank Budweiser, like um, marketing helps you connect. And that's something our next mm -hmm. question is, is um, do you have any tips or strategies for connecting with your subscribers, um, even if you don't have something to sell, just about like building uh, that community ahead of time? Sure. I want to definitely answer the how to build a connection real quick, but to go back to the like talk about it everywhere, I don't think any of us ever forgot McDonald's existed, but I guarantee you, you've seen McDonald's commercial probably every day of your life. There's a reason. There's a reason why businesses are paying for ads and why they're staying top of mind with things. And you, I mean, it can get annoying to the same ad over and over again, but usually they call it creative to be cool. Usually they're switching up the creative quite a bit. So just saying, no one's going to forget McDonald's exists. So yeah. it's quite a right for you to mention your stuff. Like, cause I don't know if that's another question. Like how often should I mention I have a paid product as much as you want to, right? And in different ways, like go ahead, right? Can be like a casual link or the other day I was talking to someone or while I was researching this, right? It just doesn't have to be a straight up sales pitch. So how do you connect with your people when you have nothing to sell? I think that it's just about, again, sharing those tips and tricks, maybe sharing what's going on in your lives. I like, I like to call them brain hooks, right? And this goes into, again, your comfort level or your overall plan, right? Because maybe if you're hanging out, over here, your plan is that you want to flip a blog, right? 
So you don't want to build a personal brand. So you're not going to like tell people that you've got three wiener dogs randomly, right? Or be like, so the other day I was sucked into my Sunday Sephora trip, right? Like you're not going to talk like that because maybe again, you are trying to build something as a different entity, but nine times out of 10, the people that I help usually do want to have a personal brand in their connection. And so that's just kind of where it all comes to talk about, right? Maybe it's making a pop cultural reference that you would get or your people would get. Maybe it's talking about something that you have struggled with when it came to the area of what you talk about, right? Because I know some people really hate calling themselves an expert because I feel like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know anything, right? Or there's always people that know more are always more successful. So the thing that you enjoy talking about, and I think that when you reframe to your email, it's like, I'm going to send an email to people who are like almost just as excited about Harry Potter as I am. All of a sudden the pressure is off, right? Assuming that you have a Harry Potter blog, right? So that's the way that I always like to think of it and get over that. Like, oh, am I just going to like annoy people? No, because I like to think that they've got no one else in their lives that also likes Harry Potter. And when they start talking about it to them, they roll their eyes. But when they see my name pop into their thing, they're like, finally, somebody to talk Harry Potter with, right? And then they can sort of build that connection. So again, it's asking your audience questions. Is everyone going to reply? Absolutely not. Would you want all, say if you've got 200 people, would you want 200 emails to reply back to after that? Probably not anyways. So do not feel bad. So again, you can talk about the latest content that you have in your blog. I don't necessarily like it when it's just like, oh, like go to my blog and read this latest post, right? I like to give them like a little bit more of like, you know, maybe what was the reason behind it or give them a tip that's not in there. Or it can be literally like, say, if you're doing like a listicle, right? Maybe you give them the first three and then you tell them to go and check out the rest. And that number 11 is actually your favorite. So now they've got that intrigue and that reason to click over. So it's not like I need to give them all 12 reasons in my listicle uh, about, you know, the best places to eat, right? They're going to know three. So they've got something out of it. They've got some value and then they're going to go over to your blog. So you can do lots of different stuff. Yeah, I think that's such a good way to think of it. And you don't even have to do things that you're doing right now. I know a lot of people hmm. they don't travel every month of the year. So for a travel blog, it's not always, oh, I'm in this new place this time. And I did this thing, like, especially at the beginning, we got to work. So we got to go home for a bit. But even for the ukulele, like hmm. you might not be a beginner anymore, but you can refer back to that. So I think that's a great way, um, yeah, to kind of balance it. And then speaking of balance, how do you balance selling products versus affiliates in emails? Do you find it, there's a certain number of each that you do, or do you ever combine the two? Uh, sometimes. So sometimes I will do like once a month, I'll do like uh, fun finds as I call it. Right. So in my fun finds email, and I make sure that sort of set up this way of like little quadrants, I'm, they're mostly going to be affiliate links. If you are going to sell affiliate stuff. In your emails, just like in your blog post, you need to disclose at the bottom or the top that they are affiliate links. For Amazon, you cannot, last time I knew, you cannot link to an exact product, but you can link to your influencer store if you have one. Not that you make a whole bunch of money from Amazon, but if you are going to, right? Like if you were talking about, again, maybe you're not traveling, but you found like this really cool like water jug to go hiking, because that's like the big thing that you like to do when traveling, right? then you can talk about it, right? I think in my cool things email I sent out, I think my kids stole it. Um, like I had a picture of my calculator. So I just linked to it because I knew that people were gonna be like, oh, where'd you get that calculator? So we put it in there. I didn't have it as a cool thing, but there was a picture of it in there when I was talking about it. So I'm like, if you like the calculator, like here it is, right? And then again, that PS message can always be about your stuff as well. I'm not gonna talk about affiliate stuff. Like if I'm gearing up for a big launch or if I want my stuff to be front and center, 
then I'm just not going to talk about affiliate stuff, right? But if I've got nothing going on, then I'll talk about affiliate stuff, right? It's like, oh, it's like, did you know that you could do this feature? Um, With me and my business, since it is B2B, like business owners kind of like to do the same stuff like seasonally and probably with your audience, it's the same way too, where that's where it's like, like you're gearing up, right? You're looking at this stuff. Like, don't forget to check if your passport is due. Go to CVS to get your photos. Here's my CVS affiliate link or whatever. I don't know if they do that, but those are some ways that you can do that. I would never in an email when you're like, oh man, I really want people to buy my thing. I probably wouldn't talk about other stuff. But if you're like, I just want some casual sales. If it happens, it happens. That's cool. If you are going to sell about affiliates, don't just be like, oh my goodness, this is the most amazing thing ever. Talk about like a result that you got from it. Like what has it actually helped you done? The best if you've got like screenshots or some type of like proof, if you will, right? Even if it's just you're like on top of a mountain with your hiking poles, right? Like, so people can see that you're not lying, but also talk about shortcomings. I think that people forget about that sometimes. Like, it's like, yeah, they got me to the top mountain and I absolutely love them. But I gotta tell you, they're just a little bit too tall because I'm a short queen, right? Like, so you can, and now everyone who's short is gonna like feel that camaraderie and that nurture with you. And they're going to realize that you're not full of crap, right? Because you're talking about the shortcomings. So that was just that. I think that's such a good thing. Like selling with cons is just as important. And even for your own products, like saying who it's not right for. Because I don't know, even like learning the ukulele. If you don't want to learn the ukulele, this is not right for you sort of a thing. Like just setting up um, those boundaries are really, really good. That's the end of all of our questions. So thank you so much, Kate. We went through so much there and I know everyone's got tons of value, but I know that you have something extra special for people right now. Mm -hmm. So we are doing the Back to Business Bundle. It is going live the week of Valentine's Day. So February 12th through February 16th is when it is live. It is our biggest bundle we've ever run. I've been running it since 2019. So this year we have two tiers. We have a free tier that has 120 items. And then we have a premium tier. That's all the free stuff plus 77 items that sell legitly sell on people's websites. Cause Abby, that's my assistant. I went and stalked people to make sure that they weren't just lying to us for $50 or more. So it ends up being less than like a buck 25 per premium resource. So I absolutely love the back to business bundle. And I don't say this lightly because again, it's so like a marketing term, but like bundles can literally change people's lives. Like I started my business as a mom that was at home on welfare. I got fired for having my kid. And like, I didn't have money to like, you know, the money to invest like an Amy Porterfield style course. Right. But like scraping together, you know, $97 to get access to all these things that one, I wouldn't have been able to afford on their own. And two, I might not have already known about like, it is it's business changing or just being able to get access to some stuff that are for free that I can actually start implementing, make my money from, and then go back and look at those creators to sort of help me out. So I love bundles. We're having a free pop-up Facebook group as well for it with bundle bingo, with free upgrades, with raffles, our contributors. We have 136, I believe off the top of my head, have been so generous. We've got so many extra bonus premium items that we're giving away to people. I just, I am so excited. We've got co-working. We have panel discussions. We are going to make sure that if you lost that like New Year's resolution attitude, we are going to get you back to business in mid-February and give you all the tools that you need to succeed. So that way you can turn around your quarter one and just honestly have one of the best years that you possibly can. And I'm so excited to be participating. And I genuinely think like I am chronically single girly. So for me, this is like setting a Valentine's date with my business basically. And I do believe in money dates and like goal setting dates as well for you and your business. Mm -hmm. This is a great way to 
figure out what you're struggling with or what your goal is for the year to grow your business and then finding some great resources. And I love being a part of bundles, both as a participant and as someone who gets to like contribute to them now. Um, but a bundle is the first thing I ever got from my blog. It's where I first heard the term SEO, which obviously changed everything for me. Um, so yeah. I'm super excited to participate. And I will be leaving the link to that in the description of this video. So y'all can go check it out. Um, and yeah, you'll have a limited time to grab all of the amazing freebies. And I would definitely recommend joining the co-working. Um, it's such a mm -hmm. great opportunity to, even if you have ADHD like us, sometimes it's really good to just like, put it on like mute and just work at the same time as other people. It's called like shadowing or mimicking or something. Um, mm -hmm. but it does actually help make you more productive, which is really cool. Yeah. No, I, I love body doubling. Again, it's one of those things where my big thing is I love to have people take action, which is why like, I don't just tell you what to do, but I make sure that you can get your brain behind it and do it. Whether it is like something in your head or habitual habit that keeps on getting in your way, whether it's wrangling your brain with ADHD. And so that's why we wanted to have those co-working sessions for the premium tier. So that way you'd actually sit down and do something. Cause again, like it does mean no good to have your money for the bundle. If it's something that you don't use, right. That's why we've got follow-up email. That's why we remind you guys. That's why we give you like an action plan, like, Hey, if you're struggling here, here, and here, here's some resources. And we really tried to make sure in both tiers that a single topic wasn't covered more than five times absolute max. And we tried to do it at a different angle. So say like, if somebody gave us something on Pinterest, right? Somebody gives us on paid ads for Pinterest. Somebody gives us on actually developing pins. Somebody does someone for like, you know, cleaning up your boards. We tried to make sure that it wasn't just like, and I'm not smack talking other ones, but <laughs> it's not like eight, how to start a blog courses or like in 30 days. We made sure that everything had its own unique spin. So that way it's like, oh, like that's going to help me. Or, you know, I do want to learn how to do quizzes to grow my email list or like summits. Yeah, I'm all about that. Like, of course, I have stuff in there talking about bundles and we are, spoiler guys, on February 8th, we are having a live action workshop called Littlest Big Profit. I actually let my audience decide on the topic for it. So this is going to be a workshop that I'm actually going to make people pay for later on. We're going to give it away as a bonus for the premium tier. So it's not just like a webinar promoting bundle. Yes, I'm going to talk about the bundle, but like come to work. <laughs> like if you thought like, oh my God, she gives such great tips here about email. Like that is the tip of the iceberg. Like for two hours, you're going to like use your little pen until it doesn't work anymore. So on that, if you do decide to invest in the premium bundle, we have bonus raffle items. We have prizes. Again, I like to reward action takers. That's like my biggest thing. And so definitely if you can get ahead and get a seat to little less big profit, 100%, I would do it. We'll have a link down below for that too. And I will say, Kate knows how to run a masterclass slash webinar. And I think all of your webinars are masterclasses, essentially. <laughs> There's one that you used to do on, um, like, I think emails so good, you could like lick the screen or something. Mm -hmm. The With cookie the method. How do our emails so good? They lick the screen. We're bringing some of those things back for Little Espo Profit because people do like them. So I did bring back that tagline because it's one of my favorite taglines. It's so good. And it's one of the things that got me into email newsletters because I was like, that's such an interesting way to phrase it. Um, and I remember sitting in like my old bedroom working on one of your masterclasses that way when I was first doing emails. So like highly, highly recommend checking that out. And yeah, we will have all the links in the description for you guys to easily click through and go check them out. Um, and I'll also have dates down there if people forgot when the deadlines are. Um, I know for myself with ADHD, I will forget. So um, definitely make sure you mm -hmm. grab it before it's gone because once it's gone, unfortunately it's gone. And every year kind of the cool thing is that there's new things submitted as well. So you'll always find something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for having me.
Thank you for joining me, Kate, and we will see you soon at the Back to Business Bundle.